dots. No, I'm not. Threesomes with a fucking triceratops. Reptar, rapping as I'm mocking deaf rock stars. Wearing synthetic wigs made of Anwar's dreadlocks. Bedrock, harder than a motherfucking Flintstone. Making crack rocks out of pussy nigga fish bones. This nigga Jasper trying to get grown. About five, seven of his bitches in my bedroom. Welcome to episode four. Uh, we're officially on iTunes now. This is the Lock and Key Podcast. Uh, I'm going to continue to post both SoundCloud and uh, iTunes podcast links for the people that don't have iTunes, you know, for the few psychopaths out there that have Samsung phones and shit and haven't joined us in the real world and got iPhones yet. But I'm going to continue to post links in both. Uh, be sure to check out my WordPress if you haven't already. Uh, I'm going to start posting a short little uh, blog post to accompany every uh every episode just so people can kind of get a good good visual of the things that i'm talking about especially for some of you that aren't too familiar with the jargon that i speak when i bring up things like clothing and um sneakers and things like that so uh check out my wordpress make sure you find that on my facebook or on my twitter or my instagram and um it'll give you a really good idea of uh the stuff that i'm talking about um once again i want to thank everybody for the support um I still haven't gotten used to it. I don't think I ever will. So keep it coming. Um, yeah, so thank you again, everybody. We're going to jump right into our first topic. Let's talk about the Issa album, okay? Uh, as we all know, 21 Savage has been capitalizing off the quote-unquote Issa knife meme. And I'm not mad at it. He has a... Great uh, support team, wonderful team of marketers. So I'm totally not mad at that. Uh, get your money now, because you know this rap money isn't forever. Uh, it's an album. It's not bad. It starts out strong. Then it starts getting a little bit too repetitive for me, you know. A couple good bangers on there. Have I heard the album? No. I should have told you guys that from the beginning. That's going to be my new thing. I'm just going to start reviewing albums that I've never fucking heard before. And I'm going to just guess. And I'm going to leave it up to you guys to email me and tell me if I'm right or not. So yeah, let me finish off this uh, review of this album. So after spinning it a few times, it's alright. You know, there's a couple bangers on there. Some things I can see myself playing through the summer. But uh, I just don't see any growth as far as 21 Savage, you know. I, I don't see him really coming out of the box that he's in and... Uh, trying to break out of that shell that a lot of Atlanta artists have to eventually do to give their career a little bit of longevity. So, again, that's my review of Issa album. No, I have not heard it. That's just how it's going to be from now on. I want to talk briefly about the Ghost in the Shell movie. Uh, a lot of people remember this movie was getting a lot of flack because they casted so many white, Caucasian non-Asian folks in this film that was pretty much predominantly all Asian. This movie, I still found it very fantastic. Visually, was great. A lot of awesome special effects. Uh, they pushed the envelope when it came to that. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is starring in the lead as Major. Again, the character originally was Asian. A lot of this stuff is up for interpretation because sometimes when... When, when Japanese artists animate their characters, they all will kind of have a Japanese look. But sometimes when you speak to the artist, they'll tell you that that character isn't, isn't Asian or isn't Japanese. It's just 
it just follows the lines of, uh, you know, Japanese anime and how characters look, you know. I mean, they're known for drawing characters that are black that still have, you know, the, you know, the eyes that Asians are known for having, smaller eyes, squinty eyes, whatever you have you. But uh, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it is, and it is kind of hard when you take a franchise like Ghost in the Shell that studios probably pay a lot of money for the rights to. Then when it comes time to making a movie, their investors want to see a guaranteed return in the film. One way to have a guaranteed return in a film is by having one of the top 10 most popular actors or actresses in the movie, that being Scarlett Johansson. So the movie didn't do too great in the box office. Reviews were mixed. Um, I, for one, would have liked to have seen it in the, on the big screen instead of on my laptop. But uh, I'm definitely going to check it out again. I'm going to see it in HD on my TV as soon as it drops. Uh, I believe it comes out at the end of the month. See it in Blu-ray if you can. You know, if you have too much, you know, animosity going into this movie about, you know, the quote-unquote whitewashing, don't see it. But if you're going into the movie with an open mind and you want to see what this movie's really about, check it out. Ghost in the Shell was great. Um, I look forward to seeing it again. But I definitely would like to see Hollywood kind of relax with the whitewashing of things. Uh, we know Disney is doing over all of their animated movies are being remade into live action movies. Uh, a few of the next ones will be Lion King, which is uh, in, in uh, early production right now. After that is going to be Aladdin and Guy Ritchie's doing that. And he's giving his word that he's trying his hardest and going to make sure that this isn't a whitewashed movie. The only problem is they're having trouble. They've, I read that they had over thousands and thousands of people audition for, you know, to play Aladdin and to play Jasmine. So they are trying to find somebody that has the right chops to play these roles. And I, I look forward to seeing what they do. I think Guy Ritchie will do this film justice. We could talk a little bit about these Johns. I didn't really talk too much about Johns today because it's kind of been a quiet week when it comes to drops. But uh, let's talk a little bit about some Johns. Uh, first, we're going to start with the uh, Consortium Adidas drop. Adidas sometimes drops a little something a little more limited on the side. They call it Consortium. It's always a little more high-end. Not necessarily high-end. Um, a little more exclusive fabrics and materials and a, a much more limited drop. And this next one that's dropping on July 19th, known as the Consortium Ultra Boost Mid, uh, quote-unquote, run through time. It looks like a dope shoe, very promising shoe. I have a shoe that's extremely similar to this, just a different color pattern. And uh, it, it is it's easily my top three comfortable shoe. And this is coming from somebody who has at least 200 shoes right now. So I'll tell you that this drop's coming July 19th. Stay on top of it. It's a beautiful blue silhouette. It's all prime knit. And the sole is the Ultra Boost uh, trademark sole that Adidas is known for. Extremely comfortable shoe. Expect this shoe to be priced around a little under 200 bucks. And again, that's July 19th. Don't ask me for help. Uh, Google the shoe. See what local area might have it. Again, it's an Adidas Consortium Ultra Boost Mid. Run through time. I got pictures of it on my WordPress, so get a good look at that. And uh, let me know what you guys think. I, I really like this shoe. It, it, a lot of the shoes like this, that's made out of prime knit. They, held, they hold up really well. They stand up to the elements. Uh, they, they do their best at not fading. And again, that Ultra Boost bottom, it just it allows the shoe to just remain comfortable and it adapts to whatever it is you're doing. 
and I really, really like that. It's also a very, very versatile shoe, which is what I appreciate of the pair that I own. Uh, I might have keep have to keep my eyes out for these. There's some shit I don't like. Out of the shit that I don't like, we're going to talk about some Johns. The new Nike Air Vapor Max. I can't get jiggy with this shit. I've tried. A lot of people think this is Nike's coolest bottom, Nike's best soles on a shoe. But I can't get jiggy with this shoe. It's just a beefy ass bubble. I feel like it's going to pop and then you're going to be walking all funny. I mean, if anybody knows anybody out there that owns the Nike Air Vapor Max and has busted a bubble, so to speak, let me know, because this shoe just ain't for me. Again, it's a shoe that's getting a lot of popularity very, very fast. Nike's dropping a lot of nice colors. You know, it's also a fly knit material, a lot like Adidas Prime Knit, just Nike's coin term is fly knit. So let me know what you think of this shoe. I, I can't stand it few pictures of it up on my blogs but check it out I, I really don't know what to think about this shoe it's kind of disgusting let's talk about something that everybody loves and I do mean everybody loves it Japanese anime speaking of anime since we talked about Ghost in the Shell Something new that just came to Netflix is a Castlevania anime. A lot of you played Castlevania for Nintendo, maybe Super Nintendo. I believe there was a few drops for PlayStation as well, but nothing that really stuck. Nothing that stuck as well as the Nintendo and Super Nintendo iterations. Castlevania is great. It's about a vampire hunter. Uh, just talking about the game, you know. It's about a vampire hunter. He's trying to hunt Dracula himself. And you go into this village, and the entire village is possessed, just being outrun by demons and hell spawns until you get to Dracula. Now, the Netflix show, what I really appreciate about it is how it really sets a great backstory on to how all the characters got to their point. Be it the vampire hunters themselves, or be it Dracula, which I found very interesting to see what pushed Dracula to the point. I won't talk about this uh, too much because I'd like to let you guys, you know, see what you think. I don't want to give away too much. And one thing that was really good that I thought was really smart for them to do with season one was to make it four episodes. I did want more. There were only four, about 25 minute episodes, but it did kind of set a tone. It did kind of let them gauge to see how viewership would be. It's something they did with F is for Family as well. The first season of F is for Family was much, much shorter than the second one, but uh, it ended up being a hit, so they keep getting uh, greenlit for another season and more episodes. Castlevania's already been greenlit for a second season the same day that season one premiered. I think they knew it was going to be a success. They're talking about it's going uh, already talking about the show having more episodes next season, so I'm really looking forward to that. The animation's great. A lot of blood, a lot of gore. I think that's something that has is able to keep people's attention that might not necessarily be into Japanese anime. Um, it's not, again, it's not that deep. It really ain't that deep, fam. It's a 25-minute show, four episodes. I binged all four in a row. Um, it was that good, and they were that short. So 
Check out Castlevania on Netflix. Definitely. Now, I know a lot of you have been watching the Summer League, keeping an eye on it. And I know one thing about the Summer League. We try and, we try and take it with a grain of salt. So many athletes end up doing great in the Summer League, then they don't pan out in the regular season, or vice versa. They stink it up in the Summer League, and then they get a shot, and they do fantastic. But uh, I've been keeping an eye on, of course, my Celtics, who right now are 2-0. and They're doing great behind Jason Tatum. They're doing fantastic with Jalen Brown. I see anti-dunking on a lot of cats. A lot of fools getting dunked on over there in Vegas by our Boston Celtics, so eat that. I do really hope that this transitions into a fantastic regular season. Jason Tatum is showing some fantastic stuff. His his footwork is wild right now. He's getting these fadeaway shots. You barely see his ball touch the rim. And again, like a few other Celtics, he is also dunking all over a few of your fucking favorite plays. So keeping it entertained. We're going to keep enjoying the summer league for what it's worth. You know, I root for your team. Again, only so much. And again, you know the teams I dislike. I've shared that over time. So more than likely, it's fuck your team. And it's go Celtics. I've got a few new games coming out soon that I've been looking forward to playing. I didn't want to bore you guys too much with video game talk. I know for some of you ladies that are in relationships, you probably deal with it enough watching your boyfriend play games, watching your husband play NBA 2K, Madden, Call of Duty, whatever it may be. But just a few games that I'm looking forward to, one being Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. Now, as I've told you guys before, Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man. The only thing they don't own the rights to Spider-Man is uh, merchandise. Merchandise belongs to Disney, which is, I find that very interesting that they can... Even if Spider-Man comes out with a movie, the money's all Sony. And if they want to make toys and T-shirts and things of that nature, all that money goes to Disney. But again, they do own the rights to Spider-Man. They can do anything else with them. So they, they usually make these exclusive games for PlayStation. I believe they end up porting over to Xbox after a while. But for the beginning, they stay exclusive to Sony and PlayStation. Their next one being uh, Spider-Man 4. It's an original story. If you've never played any of the Spider-Man games for PlayStation, it's completely open world. Let you pick your missions, things of that nature. You know, think Grand Theft Auto on a superhero scale. Again, they do a great job with these games. If you're familiar with the Batman games, the Arkham ones, this game follows that. They actually even, you know, admitted to, you know, taking that game and uh, learning from it. And that makes the Spider-Man game something to look forward to. Again, it's an original story. Uh, you will see a lot of the famous characters and stuff like that. I don't expect to see much of any... I really don't think they're going to spend too much time trying to tie in the game with the movies. I think that they know that either way, Sony is going to eat, so they're not too concerned about that. They want a game, the game to kind of breathe its own uh, air of life into Spider-Man, which is really cool. I look forward to this game. I don't own a PlayStation, but this is just one of the many games that makes me consider it. It seems like people really like it. Early reviews are great. People that got to test it out at every convention, saying that it's a blast. And uh, I really look forward to playing this game. Uh, a multi-platform, and multi-plat by multi-platform, I mean a game that's going to come out for more than one system. 
multi-platform game I'm looking forward to right now is Destiny 2. Uh, Destiny is a great game. The first game came out about five, six years ago. And the plans with Destiny is to uh, create a game that can expand over a several year course instead of a new game every year, like a la Call of Duty. Uh, the Destiny games, they kind of unleash them. They release them with beautiful, crisp graphics, and then they try and just unleash downloadable content through the months. Uh, I gotta say, it definitely kept the first Destiny game fresh. I played through that. I played through just about every downloadable content that they had for that. And uh, it always brought the game to life again. And I really, really enjoyed that about it. They they plan on continuing the same thing with Destiny 2. <coughs> So expect a huge game, traversing over several planets, uh, linking up with some of your friends for some like obscene, and wild shootouts. I think that's one thing I enjoy about this game is once you get online, they kind of just send waves and waves and waves of monsters at you and just see how long you can last. Um, I find Destiny a very good time. This one's going to have a much more expansive story mode, so I definitely look forward to that. You know, it, it's another game that lets you get really, really deep in customizing your character. Customize your guns. You can customize everything. And uh, that's something people have fun doing. You can, apparently, you can find limited edition helmets and boots and things of that nature just scattered around the world. And uh, you can have something that someone might never have. So keep a lookout for Destiny. That's a first-person shooter, a lot like Call of Duty. But it is futuristic. This is from the people that brought us Halo. After a while, the folks that brought us Halo, known as Bungie. They eventually sold the rights to Halo to Microsoft, and now they wanted to start fresh with a new franchise, and uh, they brought us Destiny. So check out Destiny 1. Get ready for Destiny 2 if you haven't already. Another exclusive PlayStation game that's coming out that I'm really looking forward to, and another one that's more than likely going to force my hand and make me try and trade or buy for a PlayStation 4, uh, is Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. I spoke very, very briefly about this game the last time on uh, episode three, but this game is supposed to be huge. I'm a big fan of Marvel vs. Capcom. I'm already a huge fan of Marvel. Uh, Capcom continues to make some of the best games out there, and uh, they mash both they 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 mash both franchises together. So you'll get a lot of characters from Marvel comic books. And this isn't again. This isn't like the dispute over Disney films and Sony films. This game brings brings a together all characters regardless of who owns the film rights to them so that's cool and then you'll see a lot of your famous capcom characters which usually tend to be guys from the resident evil franchise strider uh mega man games things of that nature um ghosts and goblins which was a great classic so you could pick a lot of these characters uh some of the some of the just some of the guys that you can choose and play with uh black panthers in this one captain america uh captain marvel which is gonna She's going to somewhat resemble what Captain Marvel is going to remember in the film, resemble in the film. Uh, Hawkeye, Hulk, Rocket Raccoon is in this one, Thanos and Ultron. Um, and just a few of the Capcom characters that I'm coming off this list with. Uh, Arthur from the Ghost, Ghost and Goblin games. Chris from the Resident Evil games. You got Chun-Li in there from the Street Fighter games. Mega Man. Uh, some of the usual faces like uh, Ryu and Zero from the Mega Man franchise. There's also a lot of uh, rumored guys that are trying to squeeze Ant-Man into this game, which would be really, really cool. Um, I think it'd be cool to play with a guy like Ant-Man who can just adjust size in-game. I think that'd be pretty fun. Uh, they're going to sneak Venom in there. Uh, I think Venom's going to be very fun as well. He's been in these games before. 
Uh, now, if you ask some of my friends, they tell you that I'm really, really good at this franchise. Uh, we went to a bar about two weeks ago, and amidst my drunken stupor, I noticed in the corner that the bar had Marvel vs. Capcom, and I picked the legendary duo of Ryu and Gambit. Um, I've used a combination of Ryu and Gambit for the just for the sake that their special combos have a lot of hits, so if I combine them together, um, I will destroy you. But again, that's enough of that talk. I don't want to talk too much about that. I don't want to upset some of you pussies at home. I'm just letting you know that uh, I pretty much run this fucking game. If you want to fuck with me in Marvelous Capcom, come and see me. You got it? Good. Cool. A lot of you may have seen and heard by now that HBO has a special on Interscope Aftermath, guys. Uh, Jimmy Iovine who founded both and Dr. Dre, who was the founder of aftermath, you know, and things like ruthless records, uh, death row records. Um, and as a lot of you may know, Dr. Dre has, has been a lot more than a rapper as, as far as the last 10, 15 years ago. Um, he's paved the way for a lot. I find him very, very inspi inspirational and inspiring. I think his story's great. I thought Jimmy Iovine's story was great. Uh, one thing I thought was cool about this documentary is that it broke it down into four one-hour episodes. So you can stand back and just break it down and watch one whenever you get a free time. And uh, f Every episode was eye-opening in a completely different way. I found that the you know the raw footage and the, you know all, most of the footage that was used for this, I found it all like spectacular from everything. From the stuff that they had shot with Bruce Springsteen in the 70s, you know... To seeing them recording with Snoop Dogg and just it, you see a lot that you kind of didn't before, you know, as much as we might think we already know about guys like Dr. Dre, especially after the release of Straight Outta Compton and uh, and him being a little more upfront about his past lately. Uh, I still found it very, very eye opening. Uh, some uh, I believe the first episode kind of breaks down Dr. Dre's upbringing um, him slowly pulling together N.W.A. and his earlier career. And then I love that it shifts over to Jimmy Iovine's side of his life on the East Coast, as a matter of fact. And him slowly muscling his way into the music industry. You know, him slyly putting, writing himself off as a producer when he wasn't a producer. And then finding out he can produce. Uh, I found it great. And then the show somewhere during the second episode, it shows how they end up linking up. And I thought that was fantastic. Um, seeing Tupac do his thing, it, it's still kind of weird seeing him on TV and thinking, man, this, like, Tupac's been, like, he hasn't been with us now for 21 years, you know, and, and, and you see him on, on screen and he's such a larger than life figure, you know, next to guys like Snoop Dogg, who was over six and a half feet tall, and Suge Knight, who's a, a walking bus. And Dr. Dre, who's bigger than him. Tupac being the shortest one still was larger than life compared to all these guys. Seeing his story uh, being retold again is amazing. And uh, one thing about their stories, too, in Interscope Records and Death Row is I found fascinating just how watching it in retrospect just puts it in a whole new perspective for you. Um, you know, there were times where they just did a, and this was shot by Alan Hughes who's a very very uh talented black director and he did a great job of storytelling fantastic job of editing in this of a, a great job of telling us things that we already knew and and that's what I really really enjoyed about it um the, the episode even gets to 
um, excuse me, the the uh, documentary gets into episode four that delves more into uh, Eminem signing and his emergence. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of us don't listen to Eminem right now. Um, currently, I think Eminem's music's just putrid, but I'm not going to deny who he was during his first two, three albums, which were just amazing. Um, yeah, so the fourth episode delves into the signing of Eminem, Eminem and his emergence. And you get to see the culmination of the Beats by Dre deal and how it ended up blowing up into this mega, huge $3.2 billion sale to Apple. And then it kind of gives you a peek of what Dr. Dre has in store for the future. So definitely check out the documentary on HBO. It's called The Defiant Ones. And it's a four hour, uh, excuse me, a four episode, four hour documentary. Definitely let me know what you think about that. And to end out the show, I know a lot of you guys heard me talking about Spider-Man. I keep bringing it up. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. I promise you they aren't paying me, at least not yet. But uh, I did get a chance to see Spider-Man last week, and it was amazing. I thought it was a little uh, campy. But, you know, in complete retrospect, that's pretty much uh, Spider-Man comic books in a nutshell. They're just funny beyond belief. and uh, But when they're serious, they know they know how to make it serious to a way that it hits home with people uh one one thing that's cool about spider-man that i've always enjoyed is peter parker living with his plight that that's always been his problem is trying to be a boy turning into a teenager also dealing with being a superhero the hubris that comes with it also trying to protect his identity to, for the sake of his close friends and his family that makes him different from a lot of the superheroes that are just really really rich guys and can do whatever they want or the guys that are just beyond supernatural powers and you know family and personal lives is the furthest thing from their mind but i've always enjoyed that about peter and that's one thing that they knocked out of the park with this film i thought it was great i thought the villains were fantastic i was a little sketchy about michael keaton as the vulture but he he killed it absolutely killed it as the movie progressed it's like he started to become you felt him start to become this villain more and more so i really enjoyed that Bakim woodbine as the shocker that was cool there were times where his outfits and wardrobes would resemble that uh, i am going to get into the spoiler zone now it's about to be the spoiler zone i am pulling you into the spoiler zone 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 if you do not if you do not want this movie to be spoiled for you i'll tell you right now you can stop listening because this is the last thing i'll talk about for the for this episode now, Spider-Man had a lot of teasers, a lot of cool things that they, little nods to the comic book that I enjoyed. Uh, one that most comic book readers noticed was the character of Scorpion. Uh, I think that's going to be great. I, I think they picked the perfect man to play that. I think, I, I don't know the young man's name, but uh, he was great. He's, he is great in Better Call Saul. And I think he's going to do great as a Scorpion. Uh, there were a few other nods in there. You guys let me know what you saw, uh, especially some of the end credit scenes. Uh, I did think it was kind of strange that in the drop in the in the matter of that just the movie, you know, both both his best friend and Aunt May discovered that he was Spider-Man. And I thought that was kind of a little clumsy of him. Um, again, great movie. Uh, the twist in the movie was great. That I won't give away to anybody. I, I won't be that terrible because if, if you're nice enough to keep listening to the podcast, I won't give away the twist. I thought that was great. 
I was in a theater that was just filled with teenagers. Most weren't even with their parents. I thought that was cool. That reminded me of how I used to go to the movies. And I think they've never seen a twist in a movie before that dramatic because when the big reveal happened, I, I, these kids sucked the air out of the fucking room. They, I, I think one or two kids passed out. But uh, again, great movie. Check out Spider-Man Homecoming. I got to sneak in there and see Baby Driver before it's out of there because I can't stop hearing great things about it. I'm, I'm a huge, huge, huge Edgar Wright fan. Those of you that know me know that Scott Pilgrim is in my top three movies of all time. I, I loved him. I love him as a director. I, it's a shame he didn't get to do Ant-Man. There's rumors of him being interested in doing a DC Comics movie, and I think that would be fucking awesome. So uh, definitely check out Spider-Man. Let me, guys, let, let me know what you guys think on everything. Uh, thanks for listening to episode four. I really, really appreciate it. I definitely do. Again, the feedback is fantastic. I don't. I only believe in constructive criticism. So you can't really offend me unless you're really just going to email me to tell me how shitty my show is. But even if you are going to email me to tell me how shitty my show is, do it at lockandkeypodcast at gmail.com. That's lockandkeypodcast.com at, at gmail.com. And again, you know me on Twitter and Instagram as the Dior Homie. Thank you again, guys. Take it easy. You want to hear the new song we just did? It's not finished, but yeah.